0: tuned in to chaos to the fly a podcast for fans of the darkness and the supernatural by greg Newbigin. if you'd like to reach out to provide feedback or say hello send an email to info at chaos to the or if you'd like to share an experience send the details to stories at chaos to the fly.com and it might be included on future episodes now let's get down to business shall we G'day wonderful people, and welcome to episode 11 of series 1 of Chaos to the Fly. I'm Greg Newbegin. thank you for joining for yet another episode. So if you recall, last week was a special on Australian Aboriginals, which was really interesting, particularly to myself, because I'm Australian, so it was good to look up and learn more about the original Australian people, so that was a lot of fun. There was also a very... Very cool haunted ship story that came from the ghost stories subreddit. The person that shared that with me wanted to remain anonymous, but thank you to you. You know who you are. Uh, And of course, we had a review of Maggie, which was a little bit short. I understand that, but I really didn't want to spoil anything. So I didn't know what else to say uh, because it is really just a, a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Anyway, today we have something that I have been talking about ever since the start of Chaos to the Fly, and that is the djinn, or genies, or whatever you want to call them. Interesting, interesting stuff. We have another really, really cool story uh, about a ghost bride, or something like that. (laughs) That's what I'm calling it, at least. And uh, there's a lot of acting, I guess, so you get to hear me pretending to be two different people talking to each other, so ain't that a lot of fun? Enjoy, laugh at me, whatever you like. And we've got A review of the movie Brightburn. Very cool movie as well. Uh, We'll get to that at the end, but I guess I'll leave you to it now. I don't know why I sung that, but I did, and I'll see you on the other side. (coughs) The Jinn As someone not raised in the Muslim faith, I'm sure I'll make some mistakes here and there in this discussion. But, of course, I will do my best, as always, to be as accurate as I am able to be. The Islam faith can differ between regions and individuals, but there are six core beliefs. One of these is in the existence of angels. The belief holds that God first created angels, and later humanity. Some beliefs suggest that prior to humanity, God also created a race of spirits that were basically the precursor to humanity. But he wasn't happy with them and ordered the majority of them to be annihilated by the angels. These were the jinn. Others suggest that this did not actually take place, but that God created three kinds of spiritual entities the angels, the jinn, and the shayatin. Angels are, of course, the regents of God and thus are good. The shayatin are the offspring of Iblis, an archangel who refused to kneel before God and was thus cast out and given reign over the Underworld. The Shayatin are demons whose job it is to tempt humans into sin, but more than this, they also tempt the jinn. The jinn themselves were born of smokeless fire, which is a cool descriptive, and are thus a spiritual entity, but they are regarded on a similar level as humans, although more powerful. It is understood that they, like humans, are born with fitra, that is, they are born without sin in a state of purity, and are tempted along the way by angels and demons alike, and thus are able to lead a righteous path, or an evil one should they choose. Like humans, the jinn have free will. Some believe the jinn can appear as animals, as scorpions, cats, dogs, or snakes, among others. Others suggest that they are formless of smokeless fire themselves with eyes ablaze. There are those that believe that the shadow people, who are common in modern paranormal beliefs, are actually jinn. A third and final possibility is that the jinn themselves take on the form of a human, but not in entirety, still keeping some kind of animalistic body parts. Perhaps they can switch between the three forms. It's not really clear. There have been others that have suggested that the animal form is not actually the jinn itself, but merely a form of transportation for them. Either way, it's said that the body is subtle regardless 90% spirit, 10% flesh. However, it is understood that the jinn still need to eat, sleep, drink, and procreate. The latter doesn't necessarily need to only be between the jinn themselves, but can be between human and jinn which is offensive to Muslims. Although they can interact with humans in our realm, they are believed to be dual-dimensional, living much of their lives within their own reality. While belief in the Jinn is not one of the six core beliefs of Islam, many devout followers believe them to be the truth of the Quran, but also, more than that, to be as real as you and me. More modern interpretations are not so solid on this belief, But as recently as the late 1990s, one such theologian was accused of apostasy by a Sharia court in Egypt. What can the Jinn do to people? Given their somewhat formless form, they are said to be able to inhabit human bodies, possessing them and enacting their own will. They can cause mental and physical diseases, and are said to be especially jealous of humans They were originally known to cause sickness among children. They're also believed to be the cause of sleep paralysis. In fact, there are prayers that can be recited if one wakes in such a state in order to be released. Remember when we mentioned in last week's ghost story, the one out at sea, that some people were reciting prayers to make it go away? Perhaps they were Muslims who felt they were being beset upon by jinn. While many believe that the modern mythological genie is named after the jinn, and, while it is true that the word genie is the anglicized version of the term, the creature itself is somewhat different, although clearly related. The words themselves are also very obviously of similar origin, and likely both have the same root in ancient Mesopotamian languages. In fact, the word genie most likely is derived from the Latin genius, which, prior to its modern definition, simply referred to a thing's divine, true nature, All things had a genius, which was the thing that made them what they are. Later, famous theologian and saint, Augustine, described the genius as the soul. As an aside, there's a very similar group of spirits in Judaism, known as the Shedim. These are effectively spirits that are not inherently good or evil, and so are very similar to the jinn. However, there are very few references to them in the Hebrew Bible, and thus, they're not as strongly revered among believers. Lastly, it's a common belief and understanding that there are mystical Muslim men that claim to be able to exorcise those possessed by the jinn. More than this, though, these people can also likely invoke the spirits, using them like a weapon to wield against their enemies. Others utilize them as a kind of fortune teller. As the jinn are also known to be able to see into the future and to reveal the truth to those that know the way to ask, the jinn and more appropriately the modern version of the genie are extremely common in modern pop culture, almost to the point where it would be very unlikely for someone to not have heard of them by now. Of course, the genie is most commonly known from the Arabic collection of folk tales known as One Thousand and One Nights, which is of course also known as Arabian Nights. This is believed to date as far back as the 9th century. However, while many of the stories in this collection do include tales of the jinn, the most famous, Aladdin's Wonderful Lamp, Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves, and The Seven Voyages of Sinbad the Sailor were not original tales from the book, and were likely added much later by European translators. That said, the stories are still believed to be of Arabian origin and were likely stories told to them by acquaintances. But the truth is lost to time. Aside from this, numerous books, TV shows and movies, video games and bands have all referred to genies over the years. Far too many to mention. Respect to the genie. this ghost story is about a ghost bride, kind of. This one is sent by Anonymous from the Ghost Stories subreddit. This story isn't mine, but my father's. It sounds pretty incredible, but my dad is one of those real honour and integrity sort of men who doesn't lie or tell tall tales, so I'm inclined to believe. The story begins in the 1960s in East Asia my dad was a strapping young lad living in the capital. At the time he was working fresh out of school and liked to hang out in the evenings and nights after work with his buddies at bars and dance halls. My dad had a childhood buddy that he hung out with, a handsome young lad who had his own Triumph motorcycle. This was a big deal back in the day, the equivalent of having a sports car or a Harley today. One night after a round of drinks, his friend, let's call him John, Hopped on his bike and headed home. It was close to midnight, and the streets were quiet at that time of night. The roads were lit by the occasional street lamp and framed by huge, lush, tropical trees with spreading branches. These provided cool shade in the day, but at night, they only served to deepen the gloom between the little islands of light cast by the street lamps. John putted along on his trusty triumph, humming as he went. Up ahead, he noticed someone standing at a bus stop beneath a street lamp. As he drew nearer, he could make out that it was a lovely, modestly dressed young lady who looked to be in a state of distress. Hey miss, are you alright? John asked as he cruised to a stop beside her on his mighty steed. Oh, hi, she replied nervously, glancing anxiously up and down the street. I, uh, I was out visiting a friend, but I think I've missed the last bus. I don't really know what to do. Hmm, I'm John. If you don't mind, how about I give you a lift home? Where do you live? Oh, I can't possibly trouble you this late. My mum's house is about 15 kilometres away, it's so far from here. And I'm not sure I should trouble any of my friends, they're probably asleep by now. Hey, don't worry about it, it's fine. I can't leave a young lady stranded out here this late at night, right? "'I'll get you home safe to your mum's place,' John replied, flashing a winning smile. "'Oh, all right, then,' she replied, blushing a little. "'Thank you so much. "'I'm John, by the way. "'What's your name?' he asked as she gingerly climbed onto the back of his motorcycle. "'I'm Janice. "'Nice to meet you, John,' she said with a shy smile. "'Here, Janice, why don't you put on my jacket? "'The wind can get pretty cold.' "'John took off his jacket and draped it over Janice's shoulders.' Thank you so much, you're such a gentleman. And off they went, cruising down the road. They made some small talk along the way, with Janice giggling at John's jokes. The chemistry between the pair was pretty evident. Soon enough, they reached Janice's destination, her mother's house, and it was time to say goodbye and goodnight. Thank you so much, John. You've been so kind to send me safely home. Don't mention it, Janice. Uh... John's words hung in the air as the girl leaned in to peck him on the cheek. Good night, John. I hope I'll see you again. Janice giggled as she hurried onto the porch, glancing over her shoulder one last time as she entered the house. John sat dumbfounded, heart pounding, cheeks flushed. He mumbled good night as he turned off his motorcycle and headed home. He was in love. The next morning, John woke up late. Yawning, he got dressed, ready to hit up his regular coffee shop for a hearty brunch when "Where's my jacket?" he said. Searching high and low, John remembered that he'd forgotten to ask Janice to return his jacket the night before. No matter, he thought. I'll just pop by later. Besides, it's a good excuse to see her again, he laughed to himself. When he got there, though... I'm sorry, you've got the wrong house. It can't be... John raised his voice at the old lady in the doorway. I distinctly remember sending her back here, to this house. I remember those two bushes growing beside the gate. Her name is Janice, and I just want to see her and get my jacket back. His voice trailed off as the colour drained from the old lady's face. What did you say her name was? Janice. I sent her here. She said it was her mum's place. The old lady beckoned him inside. "'Is this Janice?' she said, pointing to a faded photograph on the wall. "'Yes! I knew it was the right house! "'Young man, please stop this cruel joke right now. "'My daughter passed away ten years ago. "'Please don't make this old lady suffer more heartache.' "'John began to argue. "'He raised his voice, but the little old lady firmly repeated herself again and again, "'finally bursting into tears.' She relented, and said, Since you won't believe me, I'll show you her grave. John and the old lady made their way to the local cemetery. This was the historic main cemetery in the capital, where the first Chinese migrants to the country were buried, and the subsequent generations of their descendants as well. It's huge, spanning an entire hill. The cemetery is located halfway between the capital and the suburban town where Janice's mother lived. Eventually, they came to a grave, marked with a simple tombstone, On it was inset a photograph of Janice. John's head swam. The photograph wasn't the only thing that caught his attention. Cold sweat ran down his forehead. His prized motorcycle Janet. The one he'd lent Janice. The one that was now draped over the tombstone, the same way he would draped it over Janice's shoulders. What happened next was a blur. He somehow made it home, but over the next two weeks he fell gravely ill. He had fever. Chills racked his body. He couldn't muster the strength to even get out of bed. The doctors couldn't diagnose him and thought he'd probably contracted malaria. Day by day, John wasted away, his feverish dreams visited by the visions of the lovely, sweet Janice. Finally, an old uncle brought him to a temple to seek divine help. It was the only resort they had left, really. The temple priest, upon communing with the divine, had a disquieting message for John's family. Janice's spirit, it seemed, had become infatuated with John, and wished to marry him, in the afterlife, a ghost bride. So John's family had two options. They could attempt to appease the spirit with ritual offerings, prayers, and the help of a spirit medium, but there were no guarantees. The other option was to accept the couple's impending union, so to speak. It's pretty obvious which choice the family made. They held a few grand prayer rituals, made offerings to the spirits of the deceased, sought the intervention of a well-known spirit medium. The girl wasn't easily dissuaded. After all, she was in love with the handsome young man. But at last, they managed to convince her, heartbroken as she was, to relinquish her hold over him and let him go. And thus, John lived. My father said that he was very shaken by the ordeal. For a while, even after recovering from it, he would shy away from gatherings or drinking sessions after dark. Eventually, though, my father lost touch with him, so we'll never know how his story came to an end. Brightburn Brightburn is a very interesting twist on the superhero concept. Specifically, Superman. In fact, it is entirely the story of Superman but twisted into a horror. In some ways, it's also a kind of of coming-of-age movie about a young boy who's unpopular at school, trying to come to terms with his changing body, but he also has supernatural powers. Yeah. Turns out this particular boy chooses not to take the path of truth, justice and the American way, whatever that may be, but it's also funny that one of the characters is working on a paper called The Decline of Truth and Justice in Modern Society. That gave me a chuckle. Anyway, when this young boy finally snaps and goes all the way evil, he turns it up to 11, and it becomes a classic kind of slasher movie where the weapons are replaced by supernatural powers and brute force. It's, um, it's pretty messed up at times. But I'm a big fan of gore, so it's all good. It's also kind of a weird movie with a weird ending that doesn't entirely resolve itself, but at the same time, it's kind of brilliant. It's certainly ballsy, that's for sure. I doubt they asked for permission to make a superhero movie that is so brazenly about Superman, but at the same time, it's also brazenly not about Superman. It's hard to explain. He does come down in a little ship uh, and he crashes in a couple's barn and they hide the fact that he was an alien from him and raise him as their own child. It's, it's, It's Superman. It's Superman. But above all, it is a movie that I really enjoyed from start to finish, even if only for the brilliant premise. Sure, the kid switches gears a little too easily. And his acting is a bit inconsistent. What I mean by that first part is he seems like a really good kid at first. And then he's a psycho killer. There doesn't really seem to be any grey area. It's, yeah, I don't want to go into it too much without ruining the story. Because there could be story elements that explain why. But he just, he changes too easily. And it's kind of weird. But anyway. My recommendation is to watch it and make your own decision, so <laughs> there you go. But yeah, try try not to think about Superman. Good luck. Alrighty. I hope you enjoyed episode eleven. I certainly did. The gin was a tricky one to write about. I put it off for as long as I could because it's one of those things where I didn't want to get it wrong. I just wanted to Pay respect to the source, which is, you know, of course, Islam. But I also wanted to really understand where it all came from, and I think I could have dug deeper, but I couldn't really have dug much deeper without going into real beliefs of Islam. And I, I just wanted to touch on on the outside. So I think what I ended up giving was a pretty good overview of what the jinn kind of are. And where it all came from. Yeah, I didn't want to get too deep in the analysis. But I really, really enjoyed that. When it came to this ghost bride. Truth be told, this was actually the same anonymous (laughs) that submitted the the boat story. If you couldn't tell already, because both were set in Asia. And they're, they're two fantastic stories. And obviously, this person themselves is quite a good writer. Because I didn't change them very much at all. I almost read both of them verbatim. Really great stories, lots of good flourishes, good details, and good little additions to make them slightly more scary or more interesting. Uh, just a, a great story. So that's two weeks in a row. Fantastic stories. We've had a, a bunch of fantastic stories, of course, across this season, but uh, the last two have just really been quite special, in my opinion. Brightburn, I watched it a good a good long time ago, six months ago, probably. It's oh, maybe not that long ago. Jeez. Hey, Feels like six months ago was probably only two. But anyway, great movie. Have kind of finished, have kind of at this point forgotten how it finishes, how it ends. Which don't let that reflect on the movie because I'm that kind of person that forgets the hell out of things really quickly. Don't know why. I've watched Hollow Man like six times. And every time I watch it, I realize halfway through that I've seen it before. And two, I hated it. So, <laughs> I know that now, obviously, because I just said it out loud. So, obviously, I know that I hate it and I won't watch it again, but I did it six times before I realized it. <sighs> anyway. So, that was this week's episode. Really cool stories, really cool stuff. I, I don't even know what's on the go for next week. We've only got four more episodes before this season closes out. Getting a bit sad. But please, before we do close out this season, let's bump up those numbers, so if you are enjoying the show, get on out there and share it with other people. Okay, so what am I going to talk about this week? Last week we talked about how the world was a scary place, this week I'm going to talk about video games. Uh Aww. So you've probably heard me say that I have a couple of other podcasts, which I do. The main podcast I have is called Cephalon Squared, and it is a podcast about a video game called Warframe. I've been playing this particular game for about four or five years. Absolutely love it. Probably put a good 1,500 hours into it, so that's how much I love that game. And now I'm about to record episode 100 of that podcast, and it's going strong. It's almost two years old uh, and doing doing really, really well. We've got a great community behind us there, so very, very proud of what we've built with that particular podcast. I also like, I guess... I used to like playing every single video game. I played video games ever since I was a tiny little kid. I grew up reading all of the magazines. I wanted to be a video game journalist. There just wasn't much opportunity in Australia. And it is sad if you are Australian and you want to be a video game journalist. You really need to be aggressive. You need to get out there. You need to write a lot. And it needs to be your life. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. I know a lot of people in the industry because I I do write for video game websites here and there. And I have been doing that for a good 10 years, but people in Australia don't tend to make it terribly big. And the only, the only Australians that do are the ones that go overseas and end up writing for Polygon and things like that. And they do really well. There's been a few of them. Alana Pierce is one of them um, who was a small, relatively well-known writer in Australia before she went over to America and made it huge and and good on her. Uh, But that, kind of story is very very uncommon in Australia there just aren't that many opportunities and even over in America there's a lot more opportunity but there's a lot of competition so it's just a hard industry to get into. Over time though I realized that I I do enjoy video games but I don't want to play everything like I used to. I see no value in playing absolutely every game that comes out like I used to, I still have to own every machine that comes out. I've got an Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo Switch, PC, all of the stuff, all of the things, must have them. But I don't get sort of uh, dragged into having to play all of the big games anymore. And that's a good thing. I know what I like now, kind of, and I go for what I like and I, I tend to enjoy it. And the game that taught me that was Destiny. And that is, a first-person shoot 'em up. You know, you're shooting aliens. Come on, it's not not too violent. there's um, <laughs> a first-person shoot 'em up, that you is also a role-playing game. And I learnt that role-playing games or action role-playing games are the games that I really enjoy. Uh, and Destiny taught me that. Warframe really reinforced that. And, yeah, that's that's where I am now. And I really only play two, three games at a time, and that's about it. Every once in a while, I'll branch out and play some other game that I'm really interested in. But that's all I do these days. And I'm happy with that. Happy times are happy. So, at the moment, I know there's a lot of people that laugh about a game called Raid Shadow Legends because it is so aggressive in its advertising, uh, and they don't seem to care who they have Advertising the game, whether they've played it or not, on YouTube and Twitch. But the game's actually pretty good. And that's another one that I've recently got addicted to. It is absolutely not for everyone. It is a massive grind fest. So all you're doing is constantly grinding, 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 grinding. But I like that stuff. So I'm enjoying that as well. I did make a podcast for that. I've only gotten four episodes in. And I'm going to retire it because I just can't do this many podcasts. <laughs> it pro- I probably could have built it up to a point where it got somewhat popular. But I just, I don't have the energy and I really need to tone things down because I realized that because I've been doing all of these podcasts, my efforts that I was putting into writing have decreased significantly. So I'm going to stop that podcast. I wasn't really doing very well anyway. But (laughs) I'm going to stop doing that one and put more effort back into my writing, so I'm excited about that. Anyway, video games are fun. You should play them. Don't think that they're just for kids, because they're absolutely not. In fact, the majority of people that play video games are in their 30s or 40s. So, no. Plus, video games these days are just interactive stories. That's really what they are. If you like reading, you like movies, you should like video games. Stop putting them in a little box in your head. Stop it. This week's secret. Okay. When I was a kid, a friend of mine and I really wanted to play a game called Mortal Kombat. My parents didn't want to get it for me because it was a kind of violent game. We were only young. I organized a play date or a sleepover with my best friend at the time. And I slept over at his house. I took my video game console over there. And because his parents were migrants who probably didn't know much about video games and all that kind of stuff, we convinced them to take them, take us up to the local blockbuster and rent Mortal Kombat. Now, keep in mind that we didn't have the best systems back then. I didn't have a Mega Drive or a Super Nintendo, so all we had was a Sega Master System, or a Sega Master System, if that's how you want to say it, go on. It doesn't really matter. Words are just words. As long as you understand what I mean, that's all that matters. Keep that in mind, people. It doesn't matter stop being a Nazi. Anyway, we went to Blockbuster. We rented Mortal Kombat on this, the <laughs> Sega Master System. And keep in mind, the controller for the Master System only has two buttons, but the uh, arcade version of Mortal Kombat had five. So, hmm. We took it home and we played that game for pretty much 12 hours straight. I don't think we slept much at all. We had a big fight because I wasn't very good at the game. My friend kept beating me and I just cracked the shits <laughs> I didn't deal with defeat very well, and I, I, I couldn't learn how to beat him. but i'm I was really impressed with that game. really impressed. I mean, we wouldn't have played twelve hours nonstop if I wasn't. so how they managed to fit a game like that onto the Sega Master system with only two buttons, I'll never know, but that was. Such a treat that night, and my parents didn't know that I went over there and played video games that they didn't want me to play. There's my secret. I hope you enjoyed it. Go play Mortal Kombat. Anyway, once again, we have no reviews this week. Oh, sad panda. If you are enjoying the show or you're not enjoying the show, please let me know. You can do that via email you can send me an email at info at chaos to the fly.com or you can simply submit a review somewhere and hopefully i'll catch it and read it out on the show Mm. so yes do like do subscribe do all of those wonderful things to help me out and i'll see you next week for episode 12 bye bye chaos to the fly might mostly be my little project but it couldn't be what it is without the help of some key individuals and resources so i'd like to thank the following thanks to simon exley for his brilliant music making skills providing all music used in the show you can look for his work at inexilerecords.bandcamp.com thanks also to mr mr yarn for his glorious voice work which you can hear in the intro and outro you can find him at disco_box on twitter and last but not least, thank you to Simon Sherry, who provided the excellent artwork for the show, including our spooky mascot. Follow Simon at Simon Sherry on Twitter. Before I go, however, I should mention that the sound effects were obtained from Zapsplat.com. And if you're looking for me, you can find me at Mad Capsules on Twitter. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chaos to the Fly. It would really help if you could leave us a review on iTunes or simply share the podcast with others you feel may be interested. To keep this spooky conversation going, follow us at Chaos to the Fly on Twitter and Facebook. Back to work, flies.